Your Steve Jones Show podcast will start shortly. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Brewers Outlet, your beverage supermarket on Reagan Street in Sunbury. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Final hour on a best of the Steve Jones Show here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Matt Catrillo here with you. Steve is off today, but will be back Monday. And of course, next week we'll be gearing up for the first game week for Penn State as they get set to take on Wisconsin out in Madison. Can't wait. For next week to get here to start previewing the, the Nittany Lions' first game of the year. But today's show, like every Friday show, brought to you by our good friends at Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street in Sunbury, the beverage supermarket, imports, domestics, microbrews, best selection of beer anywhere, water, wine coolers, soft drinks, snacks. They roast their peanuts fresh and hot every day. And the pickle bar led by the barrels and the dills, indeed, second to none. It's all at Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street, and Sunbury, the beverage supermarket. And, of course, don't forget those six great flavors of slushies, and you can certainly use those as we continue with this hot and humid weather across the valley. And Steve, always in the Sunbury Motors studio. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com, Ford, Lincoln, Kia, Hyundai, pre-owned inventory, Great sales staff, great service department, all at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Humble's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. Been a great show so far. We had Bob Nightingale, USA Today baseball writer, reflecting on the life of Hank Aaron. And also, we just finished up our replay of Mike Golick Sr., formerly of ESPN. And you can check out all those interviews in case you missed him on the Steve Jones Show podcast page at stevejonesshow.com, on Twitter at stevejonespsu, and also on our Facebook page at Steve Jones Show. But now we transition to an all-basketball hour. Going to start with the pros, and we had the now-retired TV voice of the Philadelphia 76ers for 38 years, Mark Zumoff, joined us a week after he announced his retirement, which kind of took everybody by surprise but after you listen to Mark, it actually makes a lot of sense in, in retrospect. Of course, we're all going to miss him. I grew up watching him and listening to him. He's become a good friend of the show, of course, and we were really fortunate. He didn't do many interviews after he announced his retirement, so we were really fortunate and grateful to have Mark join us to reflect on his career and why he decided to walk away at this point of his life. So he joined Steve back in June. Mark Zumoff, the now-retired TV voice of the Philadelphia 76ers. Very pleased to be joined by the outstanding voice of the Philadelphia 76ers, Mark Zumoff. My friend, how have you been? Welcome back. You know, you say that I'm your friend, but really you're going to make me relive last night all over again? I mean, really, Steve? That's what good friends do. We'll use this as a th- <laughs> we'll use this as a therapy session. <laughs> All right, Doctor Steve. Let me tell you about last night. <laughs> yes, tell us about last night. Right, oh so. boy, it, you know it, it. It wasn't fun. In fact, it's just one quick story. So I'm watching the game. My wife is not a sports fan, but she decides she wants to watch the game. And I guess they're up twenty three, twenty four. So, and, and everybody's got a story similar to this. 
She decides to take a shower. She goes to bed. She wants to read. I come into the room. I said, they lost. And she was beside herself. She said, she thought I was like joking and she had to go to her phone and confirm. So it was that kind of night for sure. Well, you and I have done a lot of games in our career. And as, as you're either announcing it or watching it, you get that feeling. All right. Did you get that feeling at any point in watching this? Like, you know what? This they're even though they're winning and it's still double digits, they're in trouble. Yes, and I'll tell you when that happened. I want to say maybe the first eight or nine minutes of the third quarter, they were still yeah. winning and they were up, you know, twenty some points most of that way. But they had seven of their twelve turnovers in the first eight or nine minutes of that third quarter. And you could just tell that their concentration was off. Their commitment on the offensive end was off. And a lot of times, Steve, as you know, in basketball, if things aren't going well offensively, it then starts to affect the defensive end of the floor, which, you know, it really shouldn't, but people are human. And that's unfortunately a lot of times what happens in a basketball game. So that was the time where I started to feel that things were not good. And then, you know, all right, so they're up 18 after four or after three. You figure they'll regroup and they'll be okay in the fourth quarter. Uh, but it was not to be. By then, Atlanta, I think, felt that they got to where they needed to have the game, even though coming back from 18 in the fourth quarter is, is still very difficult. And uh, once they began to piece together some runs, they had no answer for Lou Williams coming off the Atlanta bench. Uh, the Sixers, unfortunately, were sunk. Right, so now let's get to the Bennett Simmons issue. I remember years ago, Penn State's playing Pitt in basketball, and Pitt had a marvelous point guard in Brandon Knight. But the problem was, and I, you know, I was talking to the Pitt people, I said, I said, what are you going to do in close games? I said, because Knight was about a 50% free throw shooter. And Ben Simmons, of course, is not a 50% free throw shooter, but in the playoffs, he's 32 and a half. How difficult is it to have him off the floor? And what kind of decision is it for Doc Rivers because the free throw line has been a struggle and he has to take him off the floor? Certainly I'm not in Doc's head, but if this is one of your two or three best players, you would think that you would want him on the floor, especially in a close game for his defense and the other things that he can do. And I am a Ben Simmons fan, and I have defended him, and I have defended him through the critics who have said, you know, he needs to shoot from the outside more, let alone take a three-pointer. And I have said, listen, I understand that's a shortcoming in his, uh, in his game, and maybe he just doesn't have the confidence, but my goodness, he's a triple-level threat every night. He does find other ways to score. He sets up the three-point shooters very well, and oh, by the way, he can guard anyone just about in the NBA, one through five, when called upon to do so. But the one thing that I, quite frankly, refuse to make an excuse for is unusually poor free throw shooting. And I'd say unusually because Ben had gotten his free throw percentage up to the mid-60s. This was right before the All-Star break. And then something happened after the All-Star break where, for one reason or another, he lost his edge at the line. And now it's come to the point where it is totally in his head. He admitted that last night when queried by reporters after the game. And whether it's practice or repetition, whether it's time on, um, you know, with a counselor or someone like that to explore that part of his head or his game, 
uh, he's got to do better because even if they don't take him off the floor, those times where um, Nate McMillan can employ it, Steve, he could do the hack of Ben and yeah. and get away with it. Missing 10 free throws, uh, that should never happen in, in any NBA game. Uh, even if you take 30 free throws, which is unheard of, and you miss 20, or you miss, you miss 10 and you make 20, I mean, you know, that's still only, what, 66%. Right. So um, I can't defend that part of his game. Uh, again, I like Ben as a guy. I, I really do like him as a player. And I just hope that somehow he, he figures that end out. But, yeah, it, it's, not, it's not a good look, uh, optically or otherwise, to, to have to take one of your better players off the floor at crunch time. Yeah, because this has always been my stance on Ben Simmons, very simply. And I'm, I'm with you. I'm, I'm in, this, in the corner. I think we're both in the same corner together. I don't want players doing something they, they're not comfortable doing. Be great at what you can do. And Ben Simmons, at what he can do, he, he's great. And he doesn't force other parts of his game where he's not. He lets other people take care of that. The free throw shooting, I'm with you. That's that. I mean, that's inexcusable because look, you are going to be a person in your position that is going to have the ball in the last five minutes when the game is on the line. Last I checked, you're going to be the one handling the ball each time. Yes, and and let me say this. I'm going to explore another part of his game, the fact that he only took four shots last night, and I I don't think he took any in the fourth quarter. In fact, it's been two consecutive fourth quarters now where he's failed to take at least one shot. And that's another thing where, uh, quite frankly, Ben has looks at the hoop when he is in the lane that he passes up. Um, I I, I think he needs to make a, a better effort at getting to the rim in the open floor. And when he has the mind, he can operate out of the low post and um, and run the team from there or, or get his own hoop. He's got a half hook. He could drive to the basket and get a layup or a dunk. Um, in fact, if you go back to the Washington uh, game five where they clinched and he started as the five man, that happened to be a big part of his game. So, um, you know, I think we've exhausted the Simmons thing enough um, unless something happens in the off season, he's going to be a part of the Sixers for a long time. You would think yeah, he will, and um, for the immediate future. Now they just have to find a way to get it done with him on the floor. All right, so that brings us to the next part because that was going to be the next area I wanted to explore. Okay, when something like this happens, others have to do maybe their part, but maybe a little bit more. So I think Seth Curry's been doing that. What have you thought, A. of Curry? What do you think of Tobias Harris? So it's interesting you would mention them in the same breath because Curry kind of got Tobias's points last night. Yeah. Um, Curry is not a a thirty point score typically. He is uh, you know mid teens at best. He's there as a compliment to Embiid. And one of the most startling stats from last night was the fact that the only field goals in the second half of the Sixers came from either. Joel Embiid or Seth Curry. So you ask yourself, where was Tobias Harris? And I'm not inside the Sixers huddle. Um, Were they calling plays that featured mostly Embiid and Curry? And that kind of left Tobias Harris out. You might recall that in the fourth quarter, the broadcast showed where Harris and and Doc Rivers were were locked. And and this was not a hearts and flowers conversation. This was a serious conversation between... Uh, a basketball player and his coach about things that were not going right on the floor. 
So um, I, I think Tobias has to be uh, involved more. I do think that Doc Rivers will make a concerted effort to do that. And I do hope that he makes an, an effort to get Ben Simmons involved more, uh, whether it's posting up or whether it's just insisting that Ben try to get to the hoop more in the open floor. I mean, Curry's been good in the postseason. His performance last night kind of reminded me of Jeff Green's 27 to supplement Kevin Durant the other night. Uh, well, you know, because Green's not, Green's not that, you know, at this stage of his career, that was one of those like, wow, we needed that. Thanks for doing it. Yes, uh, I watched that game, and I, I think you're right on with that. Uh, obviously, Kevin Durant couldn't win the game by himself, although he pretty much did. <laughs> but he need, he but he needed a compliment, and Jeff Green was that guy who kind of dusted off the three point shot and uh, was really good. But again, you had and I'm going to do some quick math here. You had 73 of 106 points coming from two guys. Uh, yep. That that's just not good basketball. And yep. and and again, the Sixers need to find a way to get more guys involved. And and oh by the way, they need they need a little bit more from their bench. Uh, Doc Rivers mm-hmm. said last night that. Uh, the bench was hunting mismatches as opposed to just scoring the ball in the method that it needs to employ, and that is uh, moving the basketball and finding open shots for guys. What kind of guts is Joel Embiid playing with? Because you and I both know he's not 100%. So we had a conversation. I'm talking about Joel and I, and this was not a side conversation because I'm restricted my player access due to the virus but there was a game earlier this year January, February, the Sixers won in Charlotte he had great numbers and was kind enough to come on and we had a studio set up for the remote broadcast and I asked him about the kind of year he is having oh you know know what I asked him I asked him what it's like being a father just because I thought it would be a nice question to end the interview and he started by saying you know this is not something I normally talk about so I thought maybe I stumbled into an area that I shouldn't have then he starts going into uh, what it meant for him to be a father, that when he looks at his son, he knows how important it is for him to uh, leave a legacy for him, whether it's a Hall of Fame career, whether it's championships, whether it's both. And I often point to the fact that at 27, which he is now, it seems like a lot of NBA players, particularly big guys, seem to kind of come into their own. Not to mention the fact that Joel also had uh, a coaching change in Doc Rivers, who I think uh, was able to speak to him and and get inside his head. So I think all these things have combined to make him um, the kind of player that he has become. And yes, and I'll harken back to last year's playoffs about the kind of heart that he had while the team was performing very poorly and they're eventually getting sweeped by the Celtics. And B got his and continued to play really hard. Um, and, and I think Joel probably is a little sensitive to the label injury-prone. So knowing now that he has this partially torn meniscus, he is doing all he can to overcome that and play like a guy who's 100%. I think he's been phenomenal through the whole thing. Finally, you and I both know that there's so much out there that's about can you find the mismatch somewhere. When you look at Atlanta and break them down, and of course you know the Sixers so well, what are a couple of matchups that you'd like to see the Sixers take a little better advantage of? So I, I, I've been saying, and I think a lot of people have said this, how can you, Matt, how can you make Trey Young play more defensively and expend energy on that end of the floor? 
Um, also, um, what you can do is, and, and you know this, Steve, is, and, and most basketball fans know this, um, if you find that a team is, is switching on pick and rolls, you employ a pick and roll that's going to give you the kind of matchup that's going to be beneficial to you. And uh, Doc Rivers did this a lot with Tobias Harris. That's why he had such a good season. Um, I, I want to see him exploiting mismatches more uh, in the post, whether it's on switches or they just happen to have a smaller guy on him. And um, that would be, I think, the extent of it. That and, and Ben Simmons, I think, is always going to be a mismatch when he takes the guy down low. The Sixers led or are near the top of the NBA this year in post-ups per game. So if they could somehow get back to that and create those mismatches through that or through the pick-and-roll game, um, I think that they would be uh, all the better for it. As a friend, I apologize for putting you through this. <laughs> you know what? It was actually cathartic. <laughs> I appreciate it. God forbid they should lose tomorrow. I, I don't know what I'll do, but um, you know what? I actually feel a lot better about life than I did before the call, so thank you so much. Anytime, my friend. <laughs> anytime. Mark, thanks so much. Appreciate it. Appreciate you. And, it, and anytime on this end, you know that. Take care. Mark Zumoff, the now retired voice of the Philadelphia 76ers, TV voice, I should say, on NBC Sports Philadelphia. 38 years in covering the Sixers, and he now gets to enjoy retirement. And our best to him. Our thanks to him for all the times that he joined us here on the show and all of his graciousness. I know he's done a lot for Steve's broadcast class, too. And he's also done a lot for me personally. On the side, he, and I know he's continuing to do this, is his uh, broadcast online broadcast coaching school. He's co-author of a textbook, and I, and I believe he had mentioned he is working on another one. And it's really tremendous stuff. Anybody looking to get into the business should definitely at least get that textbook from Mark Zumoff. He talks to many different big-name broadcasters that are current and still in in the business and also formerly in the business, too. It's really, really sound advice. Mark is just an absolute true professional, and Steve will tell you the same thing, too. No ego. It's He's just a tremendous person and tremendous professional to have as a role model and he's meant a lot to my young career so far and helping me out I'm and I'm fortunate to have a good relationship with him too so we want to again thank Mark for of course all he did in bringing us 76ers basketball all those years what he's meant to us here on the show and what he's just meant to really this broadcast industry because we're losing a great one too and of course we also had now they're now retired Penguins broadcaster Mike Lang a couple weeks ago with Steve and it's pretty much the exact same thing with a guy like Mike Lang too. So the industry's losing some great talent, but at the same time though, it's still starting to gain a lot of good talent too. So we thank Mark for joining us back in June after he announced his retirement. Coming up in the final half hour of the show, we've got more basketball for you. The now basketball Hall of Famer and Villanova, Villanova, excuse me, men's basketball coach Jay Wright, the Bucknell grad himself. We're going to replay that interview coming up next in the final half hour. Today's show brought to you by our good friends at Brewers Athlet, Reagan Street in Sunbury, the beverage supermarket. 
And Steve, not today, but as always in the Sunbury Motors studio. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Humble Fork. Jay Wright in the final half hour as we continue on a best of the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Party time, game time, or just fun time. Doesn't matter what time it is, because it's Brewers Outlet time. The Beverage Supermarket has the area's largest beer selection. Imports, microbrews, ciders, and domestics. Pick from over 100 ice-cold 12-packs and dozens of 24-ounce singles. Soda, snacks, hot sauces, fresh roasted peanuts. Make it one-stop party shopping and don't forget the pickle bar. So whatever you're celebrating or just doing it up, Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street, Sunbury, wants to see you. And thank you for your years of patronage. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Sunbury Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle is worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC way? The SMC way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Final half hour on a best of the Steve Jones Show here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Matt Catrillo here with you. Steve has the day off, but we'll be back next week as we get set for the first game week of the year for Penn State football. Today's show brought to you by our good friends at Brewers Outlet. Reagan Street in Sunbury, the Beverage Supermarket, Imports, Domestics, Microbrews, best selection of beer anywhere, wine coolers, water, soft drinks, snacks. They roast their peanuts fresh and hot every day. And the pickle bar led by the barrels of the dills, indeed second to none. And also six great flavors of slushies, especially for this hot and humid weather we've had. Had enough of that. Time for it to cool down a little bit, but those slushies and a couple cold ones should help you as well from Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street in Sunbury, the beverage supermarket. And Steve, always in the Sunbury Motors studio. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. And online at sunburymotors.com. Ford, Lincoln, Kia, Hyundai. All pre-owned inventory. And also a great service department and sales staff. And it's all at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Humble's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. We continue with our basketball-themed final hour of the show. We just heard, reheard from the now-retired TV voice of the Philadelphia 76ers, Mark Zumoff. Previous half hour was a little smorgasbord of some baseball with USA Today's Bob Nightingale reflecting on the life of Hank Aaron when he passed away in January. And then formerly of ESPN, Mike Golick Sr. 
when he was on the way to the NFL draft to announce the Eagles' second-round pick. If you missed any of those interviews, they are on the Steve Jones Show podcast page, also on Twitter at Steve Jones PSU, and also on our Facebook page at Steve Jones Show. But now we get to our final half hour of the show and our final replay of today on this best-of edition. The Bucknell grad, current Villanova men's basketball coach, and now basketball Hall of Famer Jay Wright. He joined Steve earlier this year after he was elected into the Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame. Very pleased to be, bring in one of the new Hall of Famers, and deservedly so, Jay Wright. Jay, first of all, from all of us to you, congratulations. Thank you, Steve. Cool to be on with you, man. I, I listen to you on Saturday afternoons, man. Good to hear uh, that pre- voice. I uh, appreciate that very much, Jay. And you know, uh, between Jack Ham on football Saturdays and Dick Girardi on basketball, I've got it made. All right, so yeah, I don't get to listen to you during basketball season. I can't. I can't be a Penn State basketball fan. Here, but I can't. I, so, sometimes I understand that. I do understand. <laughs> Jay, when you got the call, what ran through your mind? It was, um, first, I, I got the call from Jerry Colangelo, who uh, I work with on USA Basketball. You know, we, we, we're, uh, you know, we got the Olympic team this summer, and uh, it, was, it was emotional because he, and I think it was for him, you know, because we, we've worked a lot together, and, uh, uh, you know, I, he, he deals with all the Hall of Famers, so I, I think me kind of looked at it as, as like a, a little bit of a, uh, more personal touch, you know, and, and so it was, it was pretty cool. Even though you, you know you're going to get the call and it's going to go one way or the other, you know, they tell you we're going to call between 12 and 2. Uh, he called 11:59, and uh, <laughs> and, and you're, you're you know you're kind of waiting. I right, give it to me one way or the other here. This is over with. <laughs> and and it's it's emotional. It really is, it's, and it's it's overwhelming. Uh, you come out of Bucks County. You go to Bucknell. What did the Bucknell experience mean to you, Jay? Oh man, everything. I I was a you know Bucks County, uh, Northeast Philly. My family's from Northeast Philly. Like I never left that area. I didn't know. I didn't know anything about anything. I I, I never left Philly ever. So I came up to Bucknell thinking. I, it's a suburb of some. I thought everybody everywhere was a suburb of every uh, major city. <laughs> so I thought like I'm at Bucknell, and it's you know the suburb of Harrisburg, or you know a suburb of Williamsport, and we just you know we just leave campus and go into Harrisburg, go into Williamsport. I didn't know. I was so naive, <laughs> and uh, no one in my family had gone to college, and I also found just highly, highly motivated academic people. Like, I was a good student, but I didn't really work at it. But I find these people that are so highly motivated. And um, and then basketball-wise, you know, Pat Flannery was the point guard at the time, mm-hmm. the senior starting point guard when I was a freshman, and he was great to me. Took me under his wing, but on the court would kill me. Just kill me as a freshman. We would fight all the time. If I, he would he would make nine great plays in a row. If I made one good play out of ten and made him look bad, he cheap shot me on the next play just to send a message. I'd be like, damn, man, just give me one play here. And he was the most competitive guy. I learned so much from him. And and Coach Woolham was was great. And George Petrie, who 
wound up coaching at Gettysburg for a long time as the assistant. Learned so much from those guys. I mean, I, I was just a, a kid from outside Philly that knew nothing about the world at all and, and then got to Bucknell and got the, the, the world opened up to me. It's so cool when you're around great guys like that. I mean, it yeah. really is. It means a yeah. lot. Uh, is there anything that you heard from Charlie Willem or did with Charlie Willem on a basketball court that even today is still within you? Oh, definitely. A, a, lot, a lot of our offensive philosophy, he was a, a genius um, offensive coach in, 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 in giving, um, giving players uh, incredible confidence in freedom and, and players thinking that they had incredible freedom and, and confidence. But uh, in reality, he had them disciplined in in positions where there really wasn't a lot of decisions they had to make, and they were they were playing off of habits, and, and they were confident and 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 fundamentally sound at the habits he put you in. He ran what's called a numbered fast break, where you ran to spots and positions and on every possession, and you drilled it, drilled it. So when you were playing, you weren't. You weren't really thinking; it was just habitual. And, and uh, I also remember, as an offensive player, just having the confidence that he—he's got your back, man. If you're taking the shots that we work on in practice, whether they're going in or not, he's got your back. And I, I try to do that a lot with our our players to this day. It's interesting because uh, uh, we talked about what I do because I've probably announced almost 1,200 games in my career basketball wise, <laughs> but I've only done one where you were the coach, and that was your last season at Hofstra, and that was in the ECAC Holiday Festival. Wow, that's right. Penn State beat us in that game. That's right. Oh, you launched a three from 35 feet, man, and it almost went in. (laughs) Yep, yep. Penn State went to the Sweet 16 that year, right? They did. They did, and you made made the tournament. You made the tournament for a second straight year. Yep. If Uh, we would have won that game... If we would have won that game, it would have, there was some record like we would have been the first team ever to won, win three or four consecutive holiday festival tournaments. I can't remember if it was three. Or, it, it and and that was such a tight game and such a great game, and um, and we were so close, man. But that you, you found out later in the season, you know, that was well, we did that right around Christmas back then, right? Yeah, right. Exactly. And yeah. And um, then you watch that Penn State team over the year, and you realize, damn, like we shoot, wish we would have had somebody else to play against. <laughs> that's, that's a really good team. <laughs> well, but well, you didn't you know, know it at the be- you know at the beginning right. of the year. I mean, you knew they were good, but you didn't know how good. Yeah, uh, but Mike, the, the question is that that was your last season at Hofstra. But I think people forget that you spent seven seasons at Hofstra. You don't, but you did. Yeah. So what did that do to help form you as a head coach? It's one thing to be an assistant, but what did those seven years at Austin do to form you as a head coach? Well, that's the that's the, the real um, point of it, Steve. As you said, like you, you can be an assistant coach all your life, and you think you know what you're doing. you got to be on the sidelines, having to make the decisions, having to answer for everything, having to look your players in the eye after losses, and and, and bring them back the next day. You got to do that um, first. And um, Dr. Sherwood was the president. Um, 
Jim Garvey was the AD who hired me, but Harry Royal was the AD for a while. They were patient with me. Our first three years, we did not win, and I was just finding my way as a head coach. I was trying to pretend like I knew what I was doing, but I, I was really scrambling and trying to figure it out. And uh, it's so funny. Is going into our fourth year, our, our assistant coach, Tom Pacora, who went on to be the head coach at Fordham and Hofstra and Fordham, he was a great New York guy, and we're and I was so naive. And we we went to meet a recruit, and the mom said at the end of the talk, at the visit, "Well, coach, I I hear if you guys don't win this year, you, you're going to be fired. So you might not be there when my son gets there." And I was like, "No, nah, we're fine. They love us. We're building the program." And we walked outside. Tom said, "I said, how about her asking that question?" Tom said, "What do you mean? She's right. We're getting fired if we don't win. Do you know that?" And I was like, "Nah, we won't." <laughs> I was so naive, you know, I, and he was, he was right, but I didn't know it. And we, we, we had a decent year our fourth year, but they were really patient with us. And it, it didn't really, it was our, our fifth, sixth, seventh year that, that, we, that we won and, and really got it going. You know, obviously championship teams are always going to be beloved and bring with them, obviously, great memories and great moments. But in the building process, when you're trying to establish a culture at Villanova, was there a group that you bought in that got it and really kind of sent your culture on the way you needed it to go? Yeah, that's, that's a great point, Steve, definitely. Um, and even got, we, we, we remind that, uh, we remind the guys, um, even the guys at Hofstra, there was a group at Hofstra, same thing, that didn't get to stick around when we went to, and you know, won championships and got to the um, – NCAA tournament, you know those guys you know, laid the foundation, and you know we, you know we we, we talk about um, you know the the the, the uh, stone cutter, you know, and that you're, you're tapping at the rock, you know, a, a thousand times, and it might be that that thousand and first blow that that the rock breaks, but it was really all the taps that came before. And every time we we win a championship, we we remind our players that that it was you know the taps that came before were a lot of guys that aren't here that built this you know and at Hofstra we had we had some of those guys with James Schaefer and Darius Burton people don't know about but they built they started it you know and at Villanova it was our it was our first recruiting class um, Randy Foley and Alan Ray and those guys came in when it really wasn't. It, it it really it really wasn't cool to come to Villanova at, at that point, and and they did, and they trusted us, and and there was a point, you know, in in their in their uh, junior year, the beginning of their junior year, we beat Oklahoma at at our place, and they, I think they realized like, okay, this this stuff works, man, and 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 um, and they and they, they they were the building blocks, and we 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 referenced them, you know, anytime we win, and they. Stay connected, as all Villanova guys do. You, you can you, you can look back to the, the rich history of Villanova, like Penn State football. Those guys all yep. before I got there. Those guys all come back from back to Paul Arizon and Wally Jones and and um, uh, Bill Melchioni and all those guys. They they all come back and and, and we, we we play for them. Uh. You really always a priest trying to develop a complete player. You've also played a lot of guards over time, but you've had some guards that have had the ability in being complete players that have become really terrific post-up players. What do you see in a guy, Jay, 
that tells you that they have the ability to do that where the tough points come, or maybe a free throw will get it, come out of it. Yeah, Steve, it's, you know, it's not your size. It's just a matter of looking at a guy and his toughness and seeing, you know, based on the, on the defender that they're going to put on him, is, is he tough enough, you know, to take that guy inside and, and be physical and, um, and, and, and play like a big guy and, and, and get to the foul line and create contact and be strong and make the right decisions if you get double teamed, you know, uh, we, we, you try not to look at what your size is, just what your what's your toughness level and and what your ability to score in there based on who the opponent's going to put on you defensively. And uh, we we have been blessed with some with some great ones over the years. And I, I I'd have to say Ryan Archidiakon probably started that and taught us yeah. that. He 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 started kind of doing that on his own and showed us that that could work and then we always looked for that in other guys well uh, from me to you uh, the game's been much better because you've been in it and you richly deserve the honor you're going to get uh, and enshrinement will be incredible thanks so much for everything you've done for the game and what you continue to do for the game because Jay Wright is great for the game thank you so much Thanks, Steve. Great talking to you, buddy. Love, love hearing you on Saturdays, man. Hey, thanks so much. That means a lot to me, Jay. Thank you. See you, buddy. And there he is, Jay Wright, the now Basketball Hall of Famer, proud Bucknell grad. Some very funny stories with Pat Flannery, by the way. And it doesn't surprise me one bit. Haven't been around the program now for a couple seasons. Those are awesome stories. I, I was laughing again just looking back on those. And... Congratulations to Jay Wright, and of course, has had a tremendous career at Villanova as well with two national championships, obviously the many trips to the NCAA tournament and the like, so that was really cool to have him join us and him take some time out of his busy schedule to join us for a little bit here on the Steve Jones Show. And of course, tonight is week one of high school football across the valley if you're traveling now to a game, if you're gearing up for kickoff at home, you want to get ready for kickoff, you missed our high school football roundtable yesterday for our games here on Sunbury Broadcasting Corporation stations, you can check it out at stevejonesshow.com. That's on the podcast page and also on the homepage. And it's also on our social media at Steve Jones PSU on Twitter, at Steve Jones Show on Facebook as well. You got Central Mountain at Chickalemi tonight on right here on WKOK coming up with the Chief. And the suit, Kevin Hur, at 6.30 pregame, 7 o'clock kickoff. Over on 100.9, the Valley, Lewisburg is taking on Shemokin down in Cole Township. And that will be Greg Wetzel and Justin Michaels on the call. 6.30 pregame, 7 o'clock kickoff. And then over on Eagle 107, Pat O'Brien is back for Seals Grove Seals football and his new partner, Steve Briggs, who, of course, joined us on the podcast yesterday. And Zach Showers, of course, back doing some tremendous stats for the broadcast. And, of course, he has that website for everything you need to know about Seals football. It's just tremendous stuff. So that's on Eagle 107. Seals Grove is at Pottsville for a tough non-conference matchup to start the year. Seals game day beginning at 6 and kickoff at 7 as well. So we look forward to having high school football back in the Valley as well. And once we're back here next week, we're getting ready for our first game week of the season for Penn State football. Nittany Lions and Wisconsin 
in Madison. We'll look forward to counting down the kickoff all week coming up next week here on the Steve Jones Show. Should be a lot of fun. Thanks for joining us today here on a Best of the Steve Jones Show. Today's show brought to you by Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street in Sunbury, the beverage supermarket. And Steve always will be in the Sunbury Motor Studio. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Enjoy the weekend, everybody. Enjoy the high school football tonight. Enjoy Week Zero tomorrow. We'll talk to you next week here on the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK.